Hello, and thank you for joining Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. My name is Ashley Burrell. I'm the Secretary of the Board for Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. We will be producing monthly podcasts featuring women of color in the peace and security field. So please visit WCAPS.org regularly for more details. Welcome to another uh, edition of the WCAPS, po- WCAPS podcast series. And it's great to be with all of you again t- uh, today. I am very honored to have with us today, Mr. Anthony Robinson, who will talk a little bit about uh, what he does, how he got interested in the field of foreign policy, some of the things that he's doing um, at Truman right now, where he's employed, some of the things he did when he was in the government. And, um, and we'll talk about you know, some of the challenges that are out there for people of color um, and the work that we're doing at WCAPS and maybe some of the changes we hope was gonna be happening uh, uh, here in the U.S. So first, let's start. I'd like, Anthony, could you just introduce yourself, please? Sure. Uh, it's good to talk to you, Ambassador Jeekins. Uh, my name is Anthony Robinson. I'm the Director of Training and Public Engagement with the Truman Center for Policy, Truman National Security Project. Um, I've been there over a little over a year and a half now. Um, and in my position, um, I am tasked with creating, um, moderating, teaching, uh, uh, all different types of uh, national security and foreign um, policy-based trainings with our over 1,800 um, member community. Uh, we are made up of uh, three programs, which is the Defense Council, uh, Political Partners, and Security Fellows. And um, it's really a pleasure to, uh, to be here with you. I'm looking forward to a, a great conversation. Thanks, Anthony. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, uh, your education, things like that. Sure, sure. Well, um, I definitely, I took the straight and narrow path to, uh, to my work in national security and foreign policy, and I'm absolutely kidding with that, but hopefully it can uh, hopefully motivate other people that may not have uh, a straight path. I call it the, the path less traveled. Um, after high school, I went directly into the Marine Corps, did six years, and then went to North Carolina A&T State University, um, a historically uh, black university in Greensboro, North Carolina, the home of the February uh, four. That's the four individuals that um, sat in at the um, segregated Woolworths counter in Greensboro, North Carolina, and um, pursued a biology degree, actually. And I thought that I was going to physical therapy school. and uh, I, I often say that my arrogance got in the way because I only applied to one grad school. And of course, I didn't get accepted. I worked at Blockbuster Video for two and a half years. But during that time, as I was waiting to reapply to grad school, I got interested in radio. And I taught high school biology for four years, um, try to make ends meet because Blockbuster Video doesn't pay a lot of money and neither does radio when you first get into it. Um, but at the end of my four years teaching biology, uh, I was um, employed as an on-air personality, believe it or not. I was told I had a face for radio. Um, and no, you weren't supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> but um, I got hired full-time in my first commercial radio station. I worked in radio for 10 and a half years and then kind of hit that glass ceiling and uh, came across Truman and was a part of their first class of the Veteran Leadership Academy, which is now called the Defense Council, and really uh, leaned on probably one of the um, greater accomplishments in my, in my life at that time is I was becoming a United States Marine and using my voice to advocate for 
um, national for smart, strong national security and foreign policy um, um, across the board. And from there, I started doing trainings and started getting involved in matters um, of defense policy, um, climate and energy security. And from there, I worked with the Obama White House in national security for four and a half years, worked at the Department of Defense and the Personnel and Readiness Office. Um, additionally, I worked at the Department of Labor in their Veterans Employment and Training Service and uh, wound up my time with the administration to the very last day at the Department of Transportation, the Aviation and International Affairs Office. So we were responsible for uh, kicking back off domestic flights to, uh, to Cuba. And so had about a six month respite, if you will, after the Obama administration, then started with, uh, with Truman. And um, we've been doing lots of great work um, since coming on as a member and since being on the headquarters staff, um, giving military one-on-one trainings, working with our True Diversity Initiative, working with area colleges and other um, minority groups, um, just kind of speaking about the work that, that we do in national security and foreign policy. And additionally, about a year ago, we developed a uh, training called Bridging the Gap, Tackling Bias, Discrimination, and Stereotypes in National Security and Foreign Policy. Um, so that's really been um, a highlight of my time uh, there as well. And working with WCAPS as well. That's a great, that's a great uh, uh, review of, of, of the path that you, that led you to where you are now. It's mm -hmm. really great. I mean, the, the background that you have in the military and then teaching, which is wonderful yes. you could have gone into be into biology. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think you have a great voice for radio. So that's <laughs> perfect sense. Um, but I mean, I think there's so many, and we'll get to this later, so many mm -hmm. lessons that, that I think you can impart on, on young people particularly young people of color about, you know, career and, and, and how to find where you fit um, uh, in the world and how to make a difference. So a uh, great review of that. And I'm, I'm definitely want to come back to some of the questions, some of the things that you raised. Um, so you spent some time at, and at, at the, during the, in the Obama administration. Um, yes. And what are some of the, what are some of the things that you, uh, and maybe looking at, at everything that you said, what are some of the highlights would you say of, of your career. I mean, you've had a, a lot of varying things that you did uh, and it may not necessarily come from, you know, some more prominent main, some, some more prominent things you did. It may mm -hmm. be from, you know, the biology or blockbuster video. By the way, I also worked at blockbuster video years did ago you? <laughs> for a short time. Um, I will tell you this, I can't wear khaki pants ever in life again <laughs> after working at blockbuster video. <laughs> but um you know what 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 is what when you when you think back to to all these wonderful experiences that you've had that that um have shaped you to be who you are now what has been some of the highlights you think oh my goodness it's so many and uh it might not be some of the obvious ones as far as some of the policy that i worked on some of the strategy or the initiatives that i worked on i would definitely say it was the experience of meeting so many great people um, that uh, believed in me and actually gave me an opportunity to, uh, to navigate my way through the national security and foreign policy sphere. Um, I had lots of great mentors um, across the, the board. And so that, that has really played an important part, um, I believe, in even the work that I do now, but definitely navigating my way 
through the Obama administration. It was my first time having a political appointment. I mean, to be honest with you, I never thought that I would have the opportunity to be a, a White House appointee and specifically under the Obama administration. But after you get over that initial anxiety, if you will, or kind of the, the surreal feeling that, that you're here and you're serving um, a cause that's greater than you, um, you, you have to know how to, to navigate your way around that because it's, it's not easy. And anyone that tells you that it is, I don't believe is being completely um, honest with you because you have to learn the, the politics of it, the bureaucracy, uh, just working in the government, uh, advancing um, the policy of the, of the White House and, and working with your, um, your um, career counterparts as, as well. So um, that was definitely a highlight um, for, for me. Um, I definitely think that each agency that I had an opportunity to work with provided its own um, its own highlights at at, uh, at the Department of Defense and working with the National Security Council, um, we we worked on some um, some policies that were um, to the benefit of the of the warfighter um, and their families as well. Things like um, healthcare and making sure that um, um, our our service members had what they needed and their families. Um, and service members transitioning out of the um, out of active service was a highlight to even some of the tasks that popped up uh, for me, which involved working on commissary reform um, or making sure that um, we have protocols and standards in place to look after our service members um, that were retired at an uh, enlisted retirement home. That was definitely um, a, a highlight as well and so I, I learned some things about doing staff visits and IG reports learning how to be a better writer in the government was important uh, legislation doing budgeting and um, many of the offices that I served in gave oversight to the services I'm, I'm great greatly appreciative for have working in a joint capacity um, rather than kind of being pigeonholed into a service because each service is their own fight and I'm mm -hmm. sure that you know that as well. So having the oversight and being able to give uh, recommendations to each of the services uh, working with the uh, with the joint staff was a uh, was a highlight as, as well. And then just moving on down the road with Department of Labor, um, uh, helping transitioning service members and um, and military families get situated with um, with suitable employment um, or careers after wearing the uniform for uh, six, 10, 20, or 20 plus years. And then um, at the Department of Transportation, the historic uh, return of domestic flights to, uh, to Cuba was, um, was a highlight as well. And just seeing the work that you do um, impact people that you may never even meet in life. That was, that was very rewarding for me. And that's, that's really spoken to who I want to be or how I see myself as a public servant as well. Right. I know that's one of the reasons why I think I've always wanted to be in public service is to feel as if I can impact positively, you know, strategically um, and make things better for for a larger number of people. So that's definitely why I grab it. I mean, I started in, in city government with the state government, but I ultimately wanted to end up in federal government for some of those reasons. Yeah. Um, 
And you mentioned mentors. I mean, how did you, and that you have several mentors, how did you go about selecting your mentors? Oh my, um, great question. A, I first thought when I went to, um, when I first became appointee, went to the Department of Defense, in my mind, I thought that I was gonna meet an outstanding, high-ranking um, African-American man that was going to uh, see me and see um, some potential in me. He was gonna put his, sh his arms around my shoulder and say, come here, Anthony, I'm gonna show you, you learn from my mistakes and I'm gonna be an advocate for you. And that's just not the way that yeah. it happened. I had several mentors um, and, and honestly, some um, unthought of, um, in, in my mind anyway, areas. Um, I had um, two great uh, principals that happened to be women. Um, both of them, uh, one was a PhD in economics, another was a, um, a JAG officer. And they really, I think they really saw me as someone they refer to, in probably all of government, but definitely DOD, the, the gray hairs, and that's the, the white men that, you know, have long been in charge making the, the policies. They're the people that are, that are out front. And I believe they saw me as, a, as an ally, and they really gave me opportunities that um, I can probably not thank them enough for. Um, and through my work um, and just being a, a competent uh, professional, um, really caught the attention of a lot of people and whether it was coffee um, um, at the Dunkin Donuts in the food court uh, here and there um, taking up time regardless of, of a schedule having standard appointments those things made a, a big difference um, in, in my life so um, you know mentors can come from 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 different angles and it may not be the the obvious uh, thought it, it can't just be men mentoring men or women mentoring uh, women. I, I learned a lot from uh, a lot of people and they gave me some tough love as, as, as well. They wouldn't let me uh, have pity parties, if you will. Uh, they gave <laughs> me tough love. They, they were uh, resolute in their belief in me. Um, they corrected me when I was, when I was wrong and they, um, they helped me to, to chart a path where I could stand on my, my own and that really influenced me to be that for, for other people as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, mentors are so important um, because mm -hmm. just, everyone has points in their lives, particularly where, you know, having that person that they could reach out to um, or just having that constant, having somebody have a regular conversation with is really important. Um, sure. And one of the things I speak about, mentorship is, is great, but moving towards sponsorship is important. A lot of these um, individuals, uh, regardless of uh, gender or race, they opened up opportunities for me as well. They recommended me for kitchen cabinet positions, for leadership development positions, to take on projects that um, other people may not have recommended me for. So giving me the opportunity to, um, to flex my experience and my professionalism, that, that made a, a big difference as well. Coffees are fine, and I'm not going to shut down mentorship, but the sponsorship made a, a great difference. I totally agree. And making that trend, making the distinction, I think, is important for people to understand. Mm -hmm. um, so talking, let's talk a little bit about some of the training. And I'm particularly interested in the one you do on unconscious bias, because I think that mm -hmm. is so important. And, you know, I, I got a chance to go to an unconscious bias training once. And, um, you know, it, it was just amazing. Um, 
you know, to just raising awareness of what people are not aware of when mm -hmm. they do things. Uh, so say a little bit about that training and, and some, of the, some of the things that you found out by doing that training. Absolutely. Um, so very proud of um, the development of this training and how we have sought to execute it. And a lot of people are, are gaining, um, I, I think, a lot from it. It's gaining a lot of exposure um, right now. But the, the core element of the training is, is built to talk about implicit bias, which is kind of the, um, a hot topic or a key term uh, right now. We can talk a little bit uh, later about my, my feelings on how some people are cashing in on it, on, on just using the term diversity and inclusion are, are two hot key terms. Oftentimes they leave out equity uh, when they talk about that, but we can go into that a little bit later. But the, um, the, the essence of the training deals with understanding that we have our own bias and even our own prejudice. Um, a lot of people don't like that word because it has a, a negative um, kind of connotation and, and, and tinge to it. But we all have our, our prejudice. We lean towards certain things, whether we're familiar or not. And it's about being able to check that at the door, um, especially when we start to think about um, the policies that we enact um, on a national scale and an international scale. And the thing is, we go into when bias and discrimination and stereotyping is left unchecked, how that impacts policy. Um, and so you can look at um, how bias or discrimination um, can play a part in the, um, the trans, um, transgender ban. Or we can look at the um, Japanese uh, internment camps or how we uh, engage with women in our military and them being a part of our, our fighting force. Um, and so we look at several ends of, about how it impacts not just race and gender, but also religion, uh, cultural um, or regional affiliation, um, ability and disability. Um, and so you have to look at, at all of that because you get into kind of a, a stale thought process when you don't have um, diverse people at the, at, the, uh, at the table when it comes to our policy making decision. And then when you look up and down the ranks in uniform and on the civilian side, there are disparities once you start to move um, up the GS um, uh, ladder or once you start to move up the, the, the rank structure. And there are clear disparities um, with marginalized groups or diverse groups when you go from seven to eight and then from 12 to 13. And the same thing once you go from your initial enlistment, whether you're uh, enlisted or a commissioned officer, once you start to move up the, uh, the ranks from a uh, junior officer to a mid-grade officer to um, who gets to put on a star. And again, while the military, while you're in service, you don't make policy, you execute it, but you're talking about people that are leading other men and women and that are carrying out policy. And you need diversity in, in those ranks and it will only lead to, um, I believe, stronger national security and foreign, um, our national security and foreign policy um, uh, across the board. And thanks for that. And before I, I do, I do want to shift a bit, um, mm -hmm. but I did want to get, uh, go back to you on a, um, you, you mentioned how you think um, the term unconscious bias is being 
maybe misused these days or however I'm not sure how you put it but could you say a little bit about that sure I, I look at it almost like every once in a while you have key phrasing that becomes the suit de jour uh, if you will whether it's the term leaning in or whether it's um, there was once a term that was that was used a lot when I was in the administration was talking about uh, work-life balance and I'm still trying to figure out what that is. I've been to a lot of seminars and I still haven't been able to crack that code, but a lot of people were able to go around and uh, serve as trainers or facilitators in these terms. And um, it, it's kind of good for the, for the moment, but it's the, the ongoing, the, the follow-up to these things that I think make a, um, a big difference. And so I, um, I'm adamant about um, diversity inclusion being used um, kind of as a um, a term to to bring up a topic but not the follow-through of the topic and hence a lot of times equity is not followed up um, in in that uh, in that conversation because we're not talking about just being invited to the dance uh, we're talking about actually being asked to dance <laughs> if, if you will you know it's not enough just to have a person of color or um, uh, someone who is not a male or someone who is not a heterosexual Christian, you know, at, at the table just for the sake of it. We're talking about uh, equity. We're talking about equality. We're talking about retention. We're talking about advancement. All of these things are necessary for there to be true. Um, I, I think for you to be serious about diversity and inclusion. Um, I, I've taken part in trainings that just involve a 10 part computer quiz. And if you, if, you, if you answer all the questions correctly, you print out your certificate and give it to the training officer. Mm -hmm. And more, more emphasis has to be uh, put on that. I think solid, uh, effective training has to be put in place. I think that solid and effective follow-through has to be um, put in place. And um, everyone, I don't think, is serious about that because you have to make investments in that. And, and diversity, inclusion, training, and topics they're very, they're, it's a very sensitive topic. And a lot of times trainers come in um, to these, uh, what, what starts off as a, as a great idea, a great initiative, and then you don't see them anymore. And you're left to kind of deal with um, office or, or bureaucratic issues that, that, have, that have been institutionalized. And it's not going to, you know, you're not going to become woke or become more aware um, in an effective manner, I don't believe in a two or three hour training. There has to be follow up to that. It has, that has to be institutionalized as well. And I think it comes from uh, not just top down, but bottom up uh, as well. Well, I totally agree with you, uh, particularly on the issue of um, long-term change. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I have two issues. One, how much is, um, is being really cultivated within organizations and how much of it is just because like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a phrase that we're using now and everyone's kind of jumping on it. And the other part is how much of this is being felt outside of DC. Cause I, you know, you're hearing a lot of it, you're hearing that phrase being set around here. Um, but we need to make sure that it's being understood outside in, you know, in middle America. Mm -hmm. um, and I would, I, I don't know how much change is really, well, how much change is happening here versus how much change is happening in the rest of the U.S. So yeah. 
um, you know, I think that we always have to be careful when a new and sexy term um, is around because we got to make sure that it's actually that what's being done is actually going to be something that's going to last for a while. Absolutely. And, and what can happen if, if it's not, yeah, if it's not cultivated, then it can take on a negative connotation. I've, I've definitely run into instances where people are, are just thinking that diversity and inclusion just means um, bringing in different people and not bringing in the best talent. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you definitely have talented people who are, who are not given opportunity and, and access. So I in no way at, at all am uh, championing um, bringing in uh, diverse people to the conversation just for the, the sake of it. We're talking about talented individuals um, coming to the table as, as well. And so if, you, if you're not making that distinction, you can have a negative uh, connotation in there. Thoughts come in like, well, you know, it's just diversity of thought. Like that's that's making a uh, a change, and that's not what we're we're talking about. I that's think what that's we're talking about. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a cop out. Exactly, and I think it's too it's too easy to make the cop out, and if, yeah. if someone's not really committed to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's let's for the last few minutes, I'd like to switch a bit and talk about um, you know challenges that you know you talk a lot about because of what you're doing at, at Truman and and uh, you know, helping young people uh, you know, think through these things. Mm -hmm. But talk a little about some of the challenges as a, as a person of color in the field mm -hmm. of uh, the things you're doing in foreign policy and promoting security mm -hmm. issues and national security issues. Um, just say a few words about that, about where you think we are and, and some of the challenges that we still feel and maybe you, you've, you've encountered yourself. Sure, well, um, I'll take two approaches to this. A, I'll talk about, um, kind of the impact that I feel personally, and I'll talk about the external as well. I'll start with the external. Um, one is just, it's about being taken serious. Um, and for a long time, I did not take ownership of my life before working in national security. I thought that I would be uh, looked down upon because I had other um, uh, professional experience and I had to own that. And uh, that made a I think it well not I think I know it has made a um, uh, a heck of a difference in just how I approach my professional uh, work from well a if you can if you can teach science in in high school I think you can pretty much do anything but once you do that then it's no problem for me to brief a a one or two star to um, to work with the Joint Chief of Staff um, on on a briefing so that's easy uh, working in communications has. Uh, taught me at any given time when I pushed the mic on button in a in a radio studio, I was talking to um, any upwards of seventy five thousand people at any given time at any given uh, radio break, and I realized the importance of that my words do matter and me being authentic when I'm talking to uh, an audience because they're relying on me for for information, and I may only have one opportunity to try to get that right. So I want to be authentic. I want to be studied. I want to, um, um, to be a, effective when, when I speak. So that has gone a long way. So um, being taken serious is a, um, I think is, is one of the challenges and um, uh, the people, there's still a, an enigma to um, I think African-American men in national security, not to say not for women of color or or just women in general, 
but I still think that there is, um, you know, I get the, um, you know, you speak so well, you know, like, well, what did you expect? Did you expect for me to wrap the briefing that I gave you? Like, why is that still um, uh, uh, a thing? So I think the being taken serious is a, is something that we, um, that we still deal with and being um, spoken down to, um, if, if you will. So that's, that's part of it. Now, the internal aspect is me believing in myself that I deserve to be at the table. Um, when you go behind those, um, those thick doors that you have to have a, um, um, uh, a security token to get into and to operate the, the computers, I deserve to, to be there. It's believing that. And um, I was speaking with somebody just the other day about the, the leadership ascension, if you will, you know, a lot of times we're having to do so many things at once. Being a special assistant, and I'm doing air quotes, or a special advisor uh, in the administration, that pretty much means you do everything. I've, I've been the speech writer, I get the rental car, I do the briefing book, um, I'm doing the congressional briefing practices um, before we go to the hills. So you're having to do so, um, so much. So being able to say no to things and not being afraid that you won't get another opportunity. So we have, I have to um, get rid of my own anxiety and my own fears. And that's a very real thing as well. And I'm, I'm growing it with my mentors. They're helping me to, um, to, to work on that because there's more that I want to, to do. And I won't have to be the, uh, the comms person and the, the everything else person at the same time and be able to delegate and be able to, to lead teams uh, effectively. So those are just um, uh, uh, a few of the things. And one thing that um, I mean, you have so much uh, experience and things that you can help young people with. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, you know, if, if on your way uh, home today, let's say you're mm -hmm. approached by a young, uh, a young boy or girl of color, and they're flying, they've just flown in from, let's say, let's say Nebraska, nothing against Nebraska, let's say right. some place in the Midwest where, um, let's say an area where there's not a lot of people of color. And mm -hmm. you know, this young person is, is very interested in national security, they're interested in peace and security issues. Um, and, and, they're, and you can tell that they're, you know, they need encouragement or they need some, some, some something to help them think about why they are as good as anyone else to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you, what do you tell them? What do you say to them? Wow. That's a, that's a good question. Each situation um, bears its own um, kind of a uh, view. But in, in this particular case, I, I would tell the person that, um, you know, that it matters. And I, I've seen this as we've worked with, with college students that as we talk about national security and foreign policy topics, um, they're asking me, well, Mr. Robinson, why should I care about that? There's, there's dirty water in Flint. We still have uh, black, black and brown people that are getting, um, that are receiving um, harsh treatment by law enforcement. We have all these other domestic ills. And the, what I would say is that um, it's, it's cyclical. Um, what's happening abroad uh, impacts us here, whether it's you could talk about tariffs, you could talk about just uh, advocacy and, and movements um, in, the, in the Middle East and in, uh, and in Europe. 
people are, are watching us and um, you have to you have to look at the difference that you want to to make a a better world can make a better Nebraska um, and whether you we're talking about Kiev or whether we're talking about Kansas you know there's something that that connects us and you know we are global citizens and that's one of the reasons why um, I stress for when I speak to um, uh, diverse groups get your passport get involved in a study tour do something that will take you out of the state so you can have a um, a first-hand uh, view or at least can make uh, more informed or, or more developed assessments on what's going on um, in the world but just be, um, believe in yourself know that it's important to serve a, a purpose greater than than yourself um, I once heard um, Secretary Mavis made the, uh, former Secretary of the Navy made the statement, and I, I believe in this and I share this with others, about the importance of planting the seed of a tree that you may not um, experience the shade. And what that simply means is um, what we talked about earlier, you know, setting a course, setting a path um, for, for the generation that comes behind you, for your children, for your children's children, for your community, for your family. Uh, whatever it is, that's that's just as 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 important. And a lot of people are looking for significance, if you will. You look at social media; a lot of people are, are gunning for for likes and for for retweets, uh, if if you will. And there is significance in giving your time and giving your energy, giving your information, giving your wisdom, uh, giving your encouragement. All of those things um, matter. So just keep pushing. I would I would give the person my information and. Um, I encourage them to stay in contact with me. If there's anything that I can do to help encourage them, whether um, uh, a recommendation or something, you know, keep keep me abreast of what's going on in your life, so I can uh, continue to be there for you, just the way that other people uh, were there for me. One thing I didn't mention: both of my parents were involved in the civil rights movement, um, and so I grew up with that in in, in my home, and so. There are people that that were in the movement with my parents that did not see the first African American president, but their work, their actions, their tenacity, their bravery, all those things paved the way for those that came after them. And I stand on on their shoulders. I, I look at the Montfort Point Marines. Without them, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to do what I did in the Marine Corps. So uh, we all stand on someone else's uh, shoulder, and it's important for us to to lay a, a effective path. For those that come behind us yeah it's all it's about giving back you know i think that's yeah. really important um you know just to make sure that you know if, if if all of us can help one more person um reach their goals and however and in however way we can do that that's great and yeah. for me it's all i mean it's all about giving back because i've been very lucky to come from the south bronx to where i've made it and you know i had a lot of people out there who supported me i worked hard but i got support from a lot of people and so you know it's really help it's really important to 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 really help others and bring people along you yeah, know so I absolutely think and your movement is definitely doing that again with me not being a woman of color i support your initiatives and your engagement if there's anything i can do to help that i'm on board with that i know that you believe in uh other people that are doing the great work um, in the national security and foreign policy space. So we have to be able to support one another and, and not just limit our 
our interest and advocacy to, to just the group that we be, um, belong in. Cause there's all work um, to be, there's a lot of work to be done. And um, there's a lot of growth that, um, that can be done for all of us uh, to be brought to that table that we keep referring to. So we have to support one another. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's about coalitions, it's about, um, and working with allies. You know, and it's really about the mission and, and, you know, working with people who have a mission, who share a vision and a mission. Um, and I think that's probably, for me, the most important thing. And so I do very much um, look forward and, and take opportunity to work with other individuals and other groups. Because, you know, it's, the, you know, we have a very, I feel we have a very small view of the world here in Washington mm -hmm. and very much often think that, you know, we know everything that's, that what people are feeling because we're in, you know, the, the capital. Um, but, you know, I always, I always believe we don't know what we don't know out there. We don't know what's really happening out there. And so we can never feel that we have accomplished everything we need to until we've had a chance to travel to the, to other 50 states and see what they're thinking and what they're doing. So, Absolutely. you know, it's something that we have to just keep working on um, and, and until we feel sure that it's changed and that's going to take a while. So, um, but anyway, it's, it's, it's on a, on a more positive note. And I think all of this is positive because I think mm -hmm. we're all about um, that glass that's half full and, and um, trying to make, trying to make the positive change. You know, it's it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Um, and, you know, uh, your background is, is really amazing. And it's very, I think, a, a great inspiration for uh, young and old uh, in terms of what you've done and what you will do in the future. Um, and also, you know, in the spirit that I think, you know, many feel um, about where we are and recent changes and, you know, without getting into politics, just to say personally happy about where we might go um and feeling a little more a little happier now um mm. and understanding that we have a, a fight a, a fight ahead of us um in terms of equity and inclusion and diversity it's great to work with you it's great to work with truman it's great to work with um allies like yourself um who work with uh women of color advancing peace and security uh in our efforts so thanks again for taking the time to do this uh, really appreciate it and happy holidays same to you and thank you very much and um the best of you and w caps i look at, uh, i look forward to working with you in the future thanks anthony thank you for joining women of color advancing peace and security please visit wcaps.org that's w-c-a-p-s.org